You're listening to 17 Karat K-Pop. For more about this show and my other show, Enthusiasts, plus to get the latest interviews, K-pop news, album reviews, and so much more, subscribe to the show's free newsletter at 17karatkpop.substack.com. Enjoy the show! Welcome back to 17 Karat K-Pop. It's time for my monthly roundup of the best new music. This month we've got the best new C-pop, J-pop, K-pop, and P-pop. Really excited, so much new music to get to. Usual caveat applies. You know I listen to literally hundreds of new releases every single month, so I'm sorry if your fave didn't make the cut. It's never a personal diss or anything, and it's always really hard to narrow down what I'm picking, so please understand it is hard to narrow this down. I try my best to try to be pretty objective with my objective music critic mindset on. And stay tuned, because at the end, your fave might have gotten an honorable mention, because I have plenty of those. Without further ado, here is number 20 on my countdown. From 20, Bad Revenge. You're probably sick of me talking your ears off about this synth pop icon in my book, but I think he's so underrated. Every time he releases a new single, it is another banger. He's so good, he's perfectly figured out his musical sweet spot, and just keeps releasing bangers. This one, he even says, cried but I made a banger, which is just the eternally best response to a breakup that a musician could have. He's clearly going for a Michael Jackson vibe this time, with his delivery and his leather look. He basically seeks revenge on an ex through jealousy, so he's buffing up. So it's really nice to look at. Number 19. Josh Cullen from SB19. I apologize, I tried to practice pronouncing this, but we'll still get it wrong. Pakyu Saplan. This title does not translate much into English, but basically if you pick it apart, the first word means request, the second means like an enhanced amount, like really or very, a modifying word to enhance it. So big request, big ask of you, is how I would roughly interpret it. And that's what it's about. It's about really hoping someone will answer your nagging question, as the lyrics say, are you hanging in there? Just hoping his loved one can reassure him, yes, I am in this for the long haul too. Just as emotionally invested. It's very interesting because it's like, it's a rap ballad. Rap ballads do not sound like a thing, but they are. And this is proof. It also adds an extra twist with that very funky synthesizer filter. So the choruses are an odd synthesized, digified experience. And then he has his rap ballads. So very, very odd combination, but he pulls it off. And it makes for an exciting teaser to show he will have a very one-of-a-kind, worth-paying-attention-to debut EP. His solo EP is confirmed to be coming later this year. My confusion about another new video related to number 18, Bullfour's Love.Zip. In both cases, for Bullfour, it's Friend the End. For Josh Cullen, it's for the new single. Their videos confuse me because you could interpret it as really just sweet, but if you pay close attention, it seems like they could be stealing your lover or cheating. In Josh's case, the girl at the start of the video is different from the girl he has these fond memories with. So he has this montage of the best and worst moments, the highs and lows of a relationship. But the girl in those memories is not the girl at the start of the video or at the end who's just kind of moping outside his door while he's with someone else. So while the song seems just sweet and romantic, like, hey, are you in this with me? Is he two-timing her? It's kind of a... The video adds a weird wrinkle to this. Same with both Force for in the end. All around super sweet, beautiful, wonderful comeback. Lovely aesthetics, the floral, the pastels, the mood sampler, highlight reel, all the teaser content, all the videos, photos, everything. Really built up suspense for me because both Force music is just perfect for springtime. Just so beautiful, lovely, pretty, and her voice is just so stunning and unique. So I was ready for Sweet Gentle, songs about love and friendship, which she did deliver. The best one is Rome, about a sweet romantic date you never want to end. There's also a beautiful piano ballad in Good Night. But then with the video for Chase Love Hard, she seems to chase love in a way that recreates scenes he had with another girl. So I don't know if it's just her in her mind living vicariously through this girl he's with, that her crush is with, that she's envious of. Or if she's literally just replacing her and doing all the same things she used to do with him. 
How much is daydreaming? How much really happens? I don't know. Now, this is just me raising an eyebrow about these releases, but don't get me wrong, I really love them. That's why they're on this list. Josh's song is really great. The video, I would just love some clarity on. And for Bull 4, the new album is great. The video is very sweet and pretty. But the plot, confusing me, does not negate all the things to love about this comeback. And I do think she is just kind of daydreaming. Because in a teaser clip for Chase Love Hard, sorry, I think I've been saying Chase Love Hard. Friend the end is the video. Chase Love Hard is a separate... Anyway, Chase Love Hard's teaser clip set up the premise of her opening up a suitcase. Like, like, I don't know, she's trapped a memory she's about to let loose. Number 17. Say the name, 17. Name. Literally, this girl group's name is Name. On play. Besides not being a good band name to easily look up their channels on socials, despite the promo issues, this group, I think, just is so underrated. They're a C-pop girl group. Their song Say My Name was also really good. This shows a happier side to them as they play literally, like in the video game and outside of it. They're playing a lot of games together, as you would expect, and they do this dance routine that looks super fun to try. They also wear cute casual wear. You watch the video and feel like you're just kind of hanging out on a Friday night with your besties. Then they transition, though, into dance scenes with these all-denim outfits that are super cool. Big Y2K vibes. So the style choices I love, the premise is cute, and the video itself is so eye-catching because it is so full of color. And not just hanging out together in dance scenes, but also they make time for quick scenes for individuals in different settings. Number 16. Kim Woo-sook, Blank Page. This video really did help symbolize his first era after his trilogy. He talked about different lusts, vices in his trilogy, and now he's turning the page with this release, The Dawn of a New Era, and the video does a great job showing his new and improved, more big-time video premise than ever. It's just next level with the drama, the borderline acrobatic spinning through the air, the dance routine, the intricacies of it, his big red hat, and other pops of color. Visually, this is really next level in terms of scale and being compelling to watch. Plus, he wears a ton of different colors and prints throughout. This is a new comeback for him. I have questions about the frozen coffin. That's at least what it looks like to me at the end of the video, but interesting nonetheless. He still focuses on synth pop songs, though, with some gentle guitar in his smooth tone. He adds quite a Kim Woo-sook spin to some blah instrumentals. He adds his charm to them and makes them exciting. Number 15. Tempest, The Calm Before the Storm. I get some big Block B vibes from this release. Got some hip-hop influences, lots of confidence, very upbeat and fun, and I love that they've got this unique brand now that's not just optimistic, but optimistic in the face of the worst stuff. Their debut with Bad News was so funny. This ironic, here comes bad news, peppy delivery, and bright and colorful video to go with it. Now we've got the song Dangerous, where they're basically trapped in a winter storm, but dance throughout it like it's the best day of their life. They bring the party wherever they go. Joy amid the chaos is their whole thing, which makes Calm Before the Storm a perfect summative album title. Freak Show is the best song, and I the Storm. They do have kind of an emotional slow song with I'll Be There. I think that one will be a cute ending song for singing and making eye contact with the crowd at live concerts. And if I could make a suggestion, their varsity jackets, they should totally sell those as merch. Just saying. Number 14. Nene, all about that day. Okay, hear me out. I know the song came out in March, but the video came out in April and took it from just a pretty song to a very memorable, profound, stirring one. Like, this song hit me on a new level emotionally after the release of the video. She wrote and directed it herself, and not just that, but it deserves praise because she did so in a very impressive way. She has a knack for this kind of thing. The song is just so beautiful and sad and relatable. She's just singing about, one day I hope you're gonna hear my name, like the song you always play, in the city bars in your shiny cars. This reminds me of that day when the first time spark, the lightning in the dark, but I know how this is going to end. She just knows that that lightning in a bottle moment is gone forever. She can't preserve this relationship or return it to its former glory. So it's very sad and wistful. 
But it's definitely just a perfect song for your self-pity soundtrack, basically. It ends with a quote on the screen from an artist, Amrutha Vedula. Some people are not meant to be in your life forever, but they do in our memories. And that's what she's revisiting. This ex-love she still has feelings for and trying to preserve, at least in her memory, the magic they had together. What most impressed me about this video was one, the dual meaning, because she actually has concert footage within the video too, which adds a whole other dimension of meaning. Like, she's not just talking about her personal situation. She's talking about fans and her desire to not be forgotten in the world of music. So that is a really interesting additional interpretation added with that choice. Second of all, towards the end of the video, there's a scene where she locks eyes from across the room at this party with the ex she's been singing about. And that scene is drawn out. So if you're just watching as a viewer not thinking much about it, you might be like, okay, this is boring. But from like a cinematography perspective, really well done. That's exactly the feeling they should have brought to life. When you meet an ex again in public, every second does feel like an hour. That frozen in time moment that feels like a very long pause, but really isn't, that slowdown of action for them to just stare at each other is really important to the story. So I'm very impressed with how this song went from just a sad song to one that tells a cinematic story because in other scenes too where she's crying or distraught in some other way, we see the action sort of pause, like the world around her has stopped. And that is just a very appropriate way to sum up what it feels like as you go through a breakup, how you see the world around you, the ground changing beneath your feet kind of a thing. That experience as a viewer you're very sucked into Really well done directing and camera work job. Number 13. Lee Cheyun, Over the Moon. It's a very bouncy, happy, fun release with sound effects and stuff. Lots of just fun, delightful additions right out of the gate with the intro. And a cute highlight reel where she's kind of playing the role of like a radio announcer, giving album commentary between track snippets. The video for Knock and the album preview video both have that DIY aesthetic, scrapbook-type, drawing-filled, artsy, arts and crafts imagery. It's a very fun schoolgirl concept. Remember, she plays both in her solo work a vampire and a regular girl, or at least cosplaying as one during the day. So last time it was her nighttime vampiress. Now we're focused on the schoolgirl side, which is very cute to watch. The video for Knock is really fast-paced. So many camera angle tilting moments and rapid scene changes. Lots of pretty colored painted walls in this kaleidoscopic stained glass window that's very Wednesday-esque, like from the show. It's giving Enid. Then she gets dramatic when she enters this separate world in this big fancy red dress in front of beautiful but dark starry skies, the full moon behind her. So it goes from kind of a typical day to a magical realm pretty quick. Quick shout out to her for helping with choreo because she contributed ideas to the performance of I Don't Want to Know, which is the best B-side. Number 12. Giuk, Psycho Zybernetics, Turn Over. This one we member really made a statement solo. Like, he really blended so many genres to create his own unique concoction of rap, rock, R&B, hip-hop, electronic music, pop. It is incredible, the range. Each song is so full, and for a solo debut, it's extra cool that he really did seize this opportunity to introduce himself to the world, sparing no second. Even in the intro, he jumps in right away to start rapping. He gave 110% this whole time. I think his pop-punk stuff is the best. The final track, Apocalypse, attests to that. But if you want the more moody, slowed-down R&B, go to Unblown. Actually, I take it back. Best B-side is probably Rarity. It's an interesting premise, too. He basically takes a time machine through the songs from the year 2100 to 2020, 2021, 2050, 62, then 2077, and then 2090. I admittedly had kind of hoped for a bit more than just the premise setup, but it does seem to be a lot of just establishing the premise of time travel. Not much else happening to further that as a plot in the Time Machine video, but I'm hoping this is just the first of many chapters in that adventure. Number 11. Extinary Heroes, Deadlock. 
This is a great example of how a group can reinvent themselves and stay in the same wheelhouse. So they're still very punk, rebels, they have a jailbreak premise now. They're all about questioning authority, rule-breaking, but redefining the world so that maybe you are actually the hero. As they say, if you rig a system that was already rigged, are you really the villain? So their unique narrative and fashion sense continue in their take-me-as-I-am spirit. What's new is the approach. So first of all, the teaser content with the newspaper headline for the XH Times. That was a cool way to go. Second of all, they do keep their music video narrative going, but it's a little less campy, a little less sci-fi adjacent than it has been before. Less fantastical, more about just straight-up hijinks. So they kind of just naturally drifted their story into a new lane. They also continued to just show an experimental willingness with the songs themselves. So much going on, so many sounds at once. It really is the feel of spontaneous music creation. It feels very on the spot, like you never know which direction they will zigzag next. A new side of their vocals we haven't heard before comes out in Good Enough, which by the way, Young K from Day6 co-wrote. But I think my favorite B-side is Man in the Box. The noisiness is definitely my kind of thing. Number 10, Taeyang, Down to Earth. It's helpful to remember that Taeyang means sun in Korean. So that's what the whole premise is basically. The metaphors write themselves. He's planting new seeds, also going back to his roots. He's growing. He's living. He's, the sun is coming out another day. The metaphors write themselves. It's a good theme for the rebirth of him after his hiatus. This is his first big post-military enlistment release. And he focused on telling his own story. And his videos are pretty moody and not narrative-focused this era. There's the Shun performance video with Lisa. The Vibe video where he's just kind of dancing, having fun with Jimin. The Seed video with black and white images, lots of moody moments, and then the sun rises at the end, the color returns to the screen. Pretty straightforward messages, if there are messages there. And then he saves his profound reflections for his own words with the self-written songs. He compared the musical range on this album to the many rays of the sun. By the way, at that same press conference, he mentioned that he's preparing a world tour. Fingers crossed for more news on that soon. As of recording time, nope. The piano ballad Seed is really beautiful, with lyrics like, My darling, be the flower, in a path that guides my wavering life. Be the twilight in my somber night, unquote. It also nods to some 80s and 90s Korean pop inspiration. He also incorporates a throwback feel to the sauna inspiration, which is a mid-tempo, funk-inspired track, which he worked on with Benzino, who he got to know while in the military. It's another romantic tribute to a lover. So is Reason, in a way, but it ends with I Am You. So that's an interesting twist, like maybe the whole song was actually him apologizing to himself for not treating himself better. Nightfall encapsulates his feelings about watching the sunset, what that stirs in him. Love these lyrics. If the sun rises and falls many times, will I know why the darkness follows after it? If the moon rises and falls many times, will I see the day the morning comes brightly? The burning lawning, stained in red, makes it clearer. The beautifully faded, photo-like excitement. I will be the sunset for you and color your world, and then I will come to see you after this night passes. Down to earth. It's about that time I'm coming down. Unquote. Like he is the sun. Yang, in name and literally and metaphorically, is coming down to make these beautiful but messy memories again. Just a very poetic way to put it. In a classic Taeyang song in terms of, on its surface it seems more just a typical pop dramatic song, but he makes it anything but generic with his voice and way with words. Shun is just a really fun one, and he says that one really helped him get out of this writer's block funk. He was just trying to vibe with anything, and that came up. So he really did just kind of put his all into this release, but some of the best magic came from just winning it. He really is a natural. Number 9. Dawn, Dear My Light. Honestly, my personal taste, subjectively, way bigger a fan of Dawn Diddy Dawn and his other just fun, lively stuff. Objectively, this is a very high-quality comeback. 
Visually, it's very striking because he's demonstrating the many forms it takes when you're trying to think of what to use to describe your feelings post-breakup. If you still really do have love and respect and appreciation for someone. What is that mix of longing and pain and joy at seeing someone you love move on and thrive? Those conflicting emotions, what does that look like? And he portrays so many versions of that. Every scene is like a metaphor and he is the art exhibit in the center of it. That feeling looks like fog or smoke filling the room. It feels like slow-mo running. It feels like being dazed at a press conference, standing there with your hair freezing wet over the sink, lying on a stretcher, connected to a harness, whether that's like a puppeteer strings or you're the one just flying high, that's up to your interpretation. But it really captures the messiness of post-breakup feelings in a refreshing way because it's not like a diss track, like you'll be sorry you dumped me. It's a very beautiful message, just I really do wish you well. I authentically want you to have peace and joy, even without me. After all, he ends the song by saying, I was happy like the world was mine. It's okay if I lose everything, as long as I see you dazzling. You and I like a picture, can't turn back the time, in a scene engraved, even the shadow is shining. He thinks back so beautifully and fondly of his time with, obviously, Hyanna, who he almost married and I will always root for them to get back together. But I mean, he even has in the past threatened legal action, not against people spreading rumors about him, but people spreading rumors about her. That's how much he still cares for her. And that genuine respect after a relationship is just so nice to see. It's so refreshing. Also interesting though, I do think they're soulmates. They always need to be in each other's lives in some way, shape, or form because he actually just kind of compulsively gave her the engagement ring. Like he admits he just felt like he should, like to make it official, but they knew they would always be together. So they did that without really thinking about it like, oh, this is a symbol we're literally getting married. Anyway, I find this comeback also striking because the sentiment is beautiful, the video is thought-provoking and symbolic, but also that it shows Dawn wants to accept that, yeah, people will look at him and think of Hyuna right away, that their reputations may be linked to each other forevermore, so he'll make peace with that. But at the same time, he's showing he is his own individual musically. And this ballad is a very big detour for him that proves he's ready to be taken more seriously as a singer. Number eight, Chan Mina, Naked. Okay, I know I actually said one of the singles, You Just Walked In My Life, was one of the best releases last month, and then I changed that so in the written version, it's Jeff Sater's Dum Dum. I switched them so she was actually number 21 in the end and didn't make the top 20. Sometimes last minute I have a change of mind, but anyway. Chen Mina really did impress me with this album and those pre-releases. The pre-releases help show quite a range. Don't Go With Ash Island showed she knows how to tell a story with some symbolism with the endless stream of doors down the hall and that she works with a, an auto-tuned Yan Yan-esque delivery that matches Ash Island's. Sunflower goes for a webtoon look. And then there's You Just Walked In My Life, where she looks ethereal and all white. Plus, I'm just saying the mansion is very enviable, HGTV worthy, just saying. So visually, in ways beside the point and not, her story compelled me. Sonically, the album is really varied. And nice job picking. 17 is the number of tracks. Some songs have her kind of show the unique rasp in her voice. Others are more auto-tuned. Others are more just rapping over a hip-hop beat. A more vulnerable track that shows off an airier delivery is Naked Now. Mirror is one of my favorites. It's kind of pop-punk, but I would say 90% pop, 10% punk. Do with that what you will. One of the more fun, just nonsense lyrics-filled, la-la-la-filled, funky laid-back songs is Miso Soup. Another highlight is the fast-paced piano in B-List. There's the start and stop of the electric guitar mixed with this don't GAF tone and lyrics in Tokyo 4AM, the distorted synths in Love Face. So much about the production of these tracks is memorable and different and interesting. She also has some skits, moments that are kind of like a skit in there. It's quite an interesting moment in time for her career. Number seven, Mark Golden Hour. There's owning a mistake, and there's owning a mistake. 
Like if you're bad at something, there's accepting that. And then there's this level of, hey, this is just who I am. And it's forever kind of just part of my clumsy identity. Because long story short, Mark is bad at making eggs. Gordon Ramsay himself roasted his attempt to on Twitter. So this is his response. I'm calling Gordon now. So funny. He admitted, actually, he thought the Sun Child wasn't his style. The label pushed him to make that a single, but he thought this was way better. I totally agree. This suits him way more. I love it way more. It is so unique, and it's so him. I mean, no one else could do this song because it's about his fun interaction with Gordon. It is the definition of a quirky diss track. He actually made the song with Dress last year, who also worked on Child and Beckyan's hit You and Village. The lyrics are so funny, like full-bodied Pinot Noir, like blood, not mine, which is quite ominous and something Gordon Ramsay might say. The menus are like my mirror, ice so big like a glacier, love that accidental possibly, NC2127 regular lyric throwback, let's take the leap, we'll regret either way. I also love that it actually just does not take itself seriously at all. Like, the second it could just be a song that's this meaningful message of learning to laugh at yourself suddenly just goes back to being just for LOLs because he says, we live in a world that tries to change you, but wait, what does that mean? Like, he just sort of stops like, what was I saying? In like, in lyrics like, um, I got a really big problem. He's just like, okay, we're getting too philosophical. Let's redirect back to just the fun, admitting that I'm not good at this. It's just all around super fun and self-deprecating in a cool way. The video adds to the disarming way of being charming this song has because just so many split-second images on the screen, it's kind of like you're kind of hypnotized watching it. So much going on. The mascot heads, who were they? Many questions there. The way he does stuff that looks real, turns out it's not. Like when he takes a sunset selfie, turns out the sunset was just an image on the side of a truck. So the world is his playground and it is super carefree and just suits him perfectly. Number six, NCT Dojejun, Perfume. I will be talking about this quite a bit in an upcoming episode of NCT Talk, so I will save my comments for that episode. Number five, I've, I've, I've. I talked last month about Kish and how I thought that was a great confident teaser for this full album. And sure enough, they do lean into that just very confident, empowering persona for this era. Honestly, Eleven looks like such a beginner song now. By comparison, this is just so much stronger. They really have leveled up. I Am is so fearless. I love that they redefined the runway. Like, they literally use an airport runway as their fashion runway. And they dance on top of the plane, do flips off of it, rock these gorgeous black and white outfits in this big fancy hotel. They run the place. They run the world in the sky and on the ground. They are just confidently going through life, being themselves. Very fun to watch. They have this very anthemic ascendant structure to the first few tracks. Blue Blood is a big highlight. Hypnosis is my other favorite B-side. It has that kind of attitude of and sound to like Kumikota's Bow Wow. Love that. There's a tropical feel-good song in Lips. Heroin is kind of in the same vein as Anti-Romantic by TXT. Another song with interesting layering to go with it is Mine, with each layer kind of following its own pacing. So even the sounds themselves are doing their own thing, just like the girls. Not Your Girl sounds like From Us 9 may have wanted to choose it for a title track. It's in that vein. Cherish has some interesting raps as well as harmonized parts. There's a lot going on with Next Page. The guitar riffs, the high notes, the strong suits are in the little details. Then they end with Eleven, their special number, with Shine With Me, a very strong, memorable conclusion that fits them like a glove. Number four, Woods, Uli, O-O-L-I. In my write-up that corresponds to this episode, which will be at 17karatkpop.substack.com, shameless plug, sign up for the free newsletter to get it in your inbox when it drops, I think I will more clearly simplify and condense my thoughts about this release, but just know I have a lot of praise for it coming. It is really profound how he explores his inner turmoil and externalizes it with the music video symbolism. 
Previously in the single Abyss, he visually represented feeling trapped and stuck in darkness. Now he ventures outdoors and gives himself permission to just wander, like he deserves to see the light now. He sings about this sky and ocean personal island within him, which basically is what this release is. This album is about finding that home, that sanctuary, but knowing it's within you. So you carry it wherever you go and can mentally escape to it as needed. So in the first part of his story, with the pre-release Abyss, he's saying about feeling like there was no end in sight, he had no idea where to go, or even how to start getting there. Now he gives himself grace to not know, and enjoy the journey, not worry about the destination, and builds up this sense of self-worth, self-confidence, courage to pursue a big, scary, unknown world. He sings, when I paused my step, comes a flood of pain, and a similar sentiment is on the text on screen at the start of the video for Journey. I've forgotten about the pain when I paused my step, but I know when I feel locked in the dark. I interpret that as being like, when I stop and take in my surroundings, that's scary. I've been trying to mentally escape, and to just stop and be forced to be alone with my thoughts is overwhelming, and I don't want to remember bad stuff. But now he's learning, hey, even in those sad moments, I can replace the flood of trauma with the flood of good memories or just coping skills, reassuring affirmations. He sings, when I walk through this door, far beyond on the endless road, will there be the sun shining down on me? I might lose myself when I leave, but deep inside, on my little island, is where I have kept myself intact, so I'm ready to journey again. That line he repeats, so I'm ready to journey again. And he does kind of spring anew. Not only he drops diamonds out of his pockets as he walks, but he also leaves this white tree in his wake, like a woods was here symbol at the edge of this cliff. Scenery-wise, it's beautiful, even though that part is beside the point, but you do just get to soak in the massive world that can be overwhelming, but also just so beautiful around him. Really great video for the storytelling and the visuals. And the album's trajectory is interesting because he does go from revisiting that doubt and circling back to it at the end with Abyss being the final track. Interesting placement. But he has songs like Deep Deep Sleep and Drowning about feeling overwhelmed and wanting to mentally get a reprieve. But then he gets that with Busted. His moment of clarity like, aha, this is why I need to trust myself because it's me, myself, and I for life. And then he is, as the song title is, ready to fight. Till his bones collapse, and then who knows, as the title says, what's gotten into him, but he's very take me as I am by the end. The album is quite the journey indeed. Speaking of journeys, number three, Mars 23, not so far away. I talked about this icon when talking about the pre-release Gaslight featuring Ozzy. Really, really catchy, still in my head all the time. Definitely one of my favorite tracks of 2023 so far, period. But that feels like weakness compared to these new songs, like he was holding back in hindsight. Like, this album is really high quality, really impressive. He has some songs that are more the Kid Leroy-esque, I guess you could say, kind of that vibe, the Gen Z star vibe. He has other songs that are just kind of screamy and rock and angst-ridden. Others are less raw, more electronic-filtered, punk, rock, rap, hip-hop. He sings, screams, and raps his way through quite a variety of songs that are all very full in atmosphere setting. The skits in the interlude, Pandora's Box and stuff, really help with that soundtrack amplification. It's an emotionally just devastating album that he delivers with such sincerity and intensity. The visuals go with the theme as well. Gaslight was a good pre-release, because it was pretty fun. A little levity compared to these antics. Before, he was just, okay, maybe levity's the wrong word. He basically kidnapped someone, but it was more just a goofy zombie story. Now, it's more emotionally in-depth stuff. In the self-hatred video, he sits down in this cluttered room to play guitar. He's in this blood-stained suit, keeping up appearances, but a wound is coming through. He tries to hold up this enormous rock on his own. He has to carry the weight of the world, and he desperately reaches for this gold crown, but snakes cover it and he can't reach it anyway. He's overwhelmed. There's a downpour. But then another version of him appears with a drawing of Superman that he tosses through the mail slot to the despairing version of him. Like, he gave himself permission to get rid of, as he puts it, an inferiority complex to replace his thought of, quote, so lonely and nothing can save me, unquote. 
Then not so far away, that video furthers that message of, hey, maybe you can be your own Superman. He climbs up this ladder into the clouds and stays there. Despite lightning, pouring rain, a jet engine whizzing right by him. He's almost a goner a lot because of weather and the jets, but he keeps moving. Sometimes he has to pause and just stay on the ladder reflecting before he gets going again, but he perseveres. And at the end, he doesn't reach a destination. He's still on the ladder, which shows he's just willing to have faith that this dark time will better him as a person and have been worth the effort. He says, quote, through the darkest nights, I will keep this flame alive. Together, we would eventually accept the tears of joy. I accept my fate. There's no turning back. Giving into voices is easy, but you'd be crawling if you got to start over again. The most beautiful scenery is not so far away, unquote. He sings about being frustrated, like he has to work twice as hard as some people. He wasn't born with a silver spoon, but he's still going to do it. Even if life is unfair and he shouldn't have to, he is going to go the extra mile, keep trying. And it's a great title track video choice because it's the epitome of the whole album. That message of things are not okay, I'm not okay, but I'm getting there and I'm continuing to hold on to hope that things will be okay if I keep working. Eventually I will realize life is getting easier after a lot of struggle so he really does a great job mixing angst with optimism number two august d d day there is so much to unpack about this album the videos the songs everything so i'm gonna do a whole d day episode pretty soon so stay tuned so we're just gonna move on now much more to say later who i picked for number one best release of april will shock you you will be thrown back on your feet i will knock your socks off who would have guessed who I picked as the 17 karat K-pop official choice for best new release? Oh my gosh, what a world-changing decision. 17 for FML. I did a whole episode about FML already, so make sure you check that out wherever you get this podcast. But since that episode has come out, the FML video has come out, as well as further confirmation of the meaning within the super choreography. The look of the super performance with all the backup dancers was confirmed to be this nod to a cloning effect in Journey to the West. They also end the video like the movie does with all the clones gone. They also revealed the subtle message with their choreography with June's arms moving and triggering the collective's movement. Plus the fact Woozy says 17 right here and Wanwoo talks about going to the top while Woozy is up on a high perch. That placement as he says that line, intentional. They think of every detail so impressive. Then there's the FML video which pays a lot of nods to the Truman Show. We talked about that movie in the episode called G-Dragon's World actually because it goes with his music video world. But... In hindsight, it feels like it was obvious the whole time the Truman Show has influenced Seventeen's work. That's why they're always surveilled. That's why they have that movie within a movie premise where you see cameras in the shots. They always reference being in a movie. It's pretty overt. The button that says fight for your life, that's just like the how's it going to end button a character wears in the Truman Show. There's so many other video parallels. Taking a boat to sail off the island realizing this is all manufactured. Well, on story short, it's basically a movie about someone whose whole life is filmed because he's the first person to ever just be a corporation's baby. Like, literally, the people who adopted him, his technical parents are a corporation. Dictating his every move by, unbeknownst to him at first, he's living life monitored with a bunch of hidden cameras everywhere, including a hidden camera in a ring. Now 17, pointing to the rings in the past seems more significant. But hidden cameras everywhere, he is 24-7 surveilled, he is a TV show and doesn't know it. And when he starts going off script, they kind of redirect him, control his actions, punish him. When he realizes what's happening, obviously I'm skipping a ton of the plot here, but eventually he realizes this is all manufactured. And he tries to escape via boat, so they try to make it harder with a storm in his path. Which brought to mind the choppy waters 17 persevered through in the ring ceremony video. He reaches the edge of the world, basically, realizes there's a doorway out. Because the sky is not the sky, it's this dome, basically, that he could physically move through. Now all of Seventeen's videos, like, oh my, they look different in hindsight. As they emerge into a new world, basically through a door in the clouds. And spoiler alert! He does walk out into that world, despite the final pleas of the director like, hey, this is not 
fake. You made this real. All this is real. You created this reality. It's no less real than you are. Which is kind of what Seventeen's message has been. That they've been creating their own world that seems fake, but it's always been real to them. Ever since the green screen work in the debut Adore You video. They have been hinting in their videos that they're in real time making their own world, defining their own world, deciding what is going to be real and manifesting it. So in hindsight, the Truman Show connections have always been there. They're just more overt now with the image on the mirror, the poster in Hoshi's room resembles the one in the movie, the camera light thing that crashes to the ground, running away from people who are trying to stop them from escaping, the car wreck just steering the car out of control. The list goes on and on. But great job, 17. Again, more in that FML episode called 17 Talk, Volume 13. Now on to a ton of honorable mentions for best releases of the month. Lee Geekwan, Predator. There's a lot going on with this album. Moody R&B with like Universe and Out of Control. Kind of a ballad with guitar and percussion. A rock ballad-ish in I'm Not You. Some more down-the-middle pop bops with funky synths and stuff. Borderline old-school hip-hop with Going Down. Quite a celebratory breakdance pre-party feeling to it. Unexpected guitar riffs in Religious with a piano and a choir. It's really quite eclectic. And it's an interesting choice to have zero features. So this is a, for a K-pop release, lengthy release, that's all him. And he does show that confidence to hold his own with the comeback teaser video. Not even just the Predator single video, but the teaser video already. Posing in this mansion with this leather emo boy slash preppy dinner guest merging of identities with his wardrobe. Ru Sujun, Archive of Emotions. I was very surprised by her choice to go with slower-than-expected songs, with pretty breathy vocal delivery, but just not what I was expecting. Kind of just dreamy, in the vein of soul, S-O-L-E, and so gum. Non-fantasy was a good start, a song about sweet lies. There's grabby girl, about an endless need for affection. Ron kind of has a be careful what you wish for mentality, but then comes daydreaming, pathetic love, fluffy kitty, which is basically about wanting to be like a cat and just not work and follow you around all day. So the whole time she's basically in love and can't help it. She's crushing and being dorky and can't help it about her love. She continues to be like, why am I doing this in Drown and really has second thoughts about if this could even happen, if her daydreams are ever possible with songs like Love or Hate and How Can I Get Your Love. She fears saying I love you out loud will jinx it with lyrics like there's no such thing that lasts forever. So it's a sad album, pining after someone, and it's a very interesting turn. It's not like a typical breakup album or first love album. It's just about unrequited love. At least that's how I interpret it. She has that solemn attitude in the videos, too. She chose an interesting series of videos. Like Love or Hate, she has a split screen part of the time, where one version of her is doing things she loves, and the other screen shows her doing things she hates. Like, there are two parts of herself. And she doesn't really reconcile them ever, because there are scenes with just one of them and not the split screen, but they don't, like, team up or anything. In How Can I Get Your Love, it's interesting because it starts like this ring, this hole that is tossed connected to a string onto the floor, is like they're trying to reel something in or play ring toss or something. They're trying to look for something. But it turns out that's just the cord you pull on her, like she's a wind-up toy. So an interesting visual trick that changes the narrative. And she's just very somber with these teddy bears around her that end up being busted, disheveled, and she's acting like them, an abandoned, misused, cast-aside, forgotten toy. She has more beat videos, but they still have an interesting sorrow in them, in a way, where you feel bad for her, but she's kind of content. Kind of content, but kind of not. Like in Grabby Girl, she seems quite content, actually, with not being a grabby person, not being greedy, just enjoying the simple things in life, like walks on the beach. But in the song, she's singing about being insatiable, and she's becoming a grabby girl with tons of toys and stuff, like she can't get enough material things. So there's this inner conflict, split personalities in some ways in her. But just good retro vibes are involved too. So you get taken a bit out of the sorrow with some levity with what was the smart choice for the pre-release Pink Moon, which has a gorgeous light pink, aesthetically just beautiful music video. 
Epex Prelude of Love, Chapter 2, Growing Pains. First of all, smart move marketing-wise to keep up the trend of a vertical video viewing highlight medley experience, very TikTok ready, very shareable. Second of all, the sun shower video has way more dancing than I thought. Like, very little on plot, basically just a magical elevator, goes way too high, breaks through the ceiling, the floor, the ceilings and floors of different stories, like Willy Wonka's famous elevator. They dance amid the chaos, though. But besides that, it focuses less on plots and more just on dancing. So way more dance scenes than I thought, so that was impressive. Sun shower is also just a fun keyword for a comeback. It's basically when light rain falls but the sun is still out. It's a nice message about seeing the bright side right there in front of you, even amid bad times too, focusing on the good. It's a continuation of that first love storyline, and they said at a press conference that their next comeback chapter 3 will be the conclusion to this prelude of love series. So I hope they tie up loose ends about what happened to that elevator. Quite a go get em hip-hop song with some modern rock components in Skyline. The other standout is Sun Shower. It's kind of Ive-esque with the piano. I like the bouncy bass in the choruses, the chanting, the string arrangement. It's really just made to be light and fun, but still very layered. Milia, Blonde 16. Some of these songs are very R&B. Some are more kind of card-adjacent pop, like the band card. Some are kind of like Jackie Way and Yon Yon with distorted electronified voices. The standout is this Tinashe style R&B, this old school R&B energy. I would have hoped she would have stuck to that even more. Other songs are just totally full and interesting. Like a whole score for a trailer. An interesting full feeling. Just so many layers to it and subtle details that enhance the immersion of listening. Especially with headphones on. I also love the choice to end it with a couple ensemble versions of songs. So you can hear the strings and piano and start envisioning what these songs are like to hear live. A good secret marketing tactic, in addition to good for just the song appreciation. Park Jihoon, Blank or Black. Blank Effect, to me, sounds so much like Drink It by the Boys. Not a bad thing, I'm just saying. I cannot be the only one who hears that. After some slower synth and R&B jams, lower tempo than expected stuff, he finally picks up the pace and shows off this new side to his attitude with Matador and Gambit. Then there's Crashing 4, which is the feeling of an ending track, this finite feel to it. The album overall covers a range and kind of shows off his vocal range too, his rugged rap delivery, but also plenty of time to show off his higher register. I love the lyric, a space where silence and joy are entangled. I don't know, something about that just struck me in blank effect. And he keeps enforcing, you can't fill my blank. You can't fill in, you know, Park Jihoon is blank. I define myself on my own terms. And he does that unapologetically. Love that he returned to the gacha era aesthetic and villainous persona for blank effect. The video has lots of fire, including him himself on fire at points. Lots of fire and blood and the crowd closing in on him. It gives the feel of a movie trailer. Penthouse Balcony. This Japanese group has a feel-good album, but a nice variety, so it stays continuous mood-wise, but a nice variety tempo-wise and instrumental focus-wise and vocal focus-wise. It's stylistically varied, but also very cohesive in terms of just generally being an uplifting listen. The best songs are slow and easy, ironically with an exclamation point. It's very excitable, shows off a unique tone. Shooting Star and Single Focus. Those two, they're the kind of playful songs that make you really want to learn to play the piano. They have a very intriguing video for, video for Spider Thread. Basically, they move through a, an escape room one after the other. A big fun house of challenges to complete. And end with kind of an optical illusion. Because it will look like just lasers or threads or just crisscrossed but harmless things keeping them kind of trapped in a maze now look like power cables, like attached to an explosive device that they have to detonate. Quite a plot twist and many, many, many different ways they visually represent a spider web. Zero Wave, Insatiable Love, Insatiable the less than symbol and the three. 
This album is pretty good. I really like the B-side Always Get Lonely. The unexpected high tempo and the echoing, the strings, lots of surprises in there. Otherwise more of an R&B focus. Pause is fittingly ended quite abruptly. A very jolting stop, no falling action there. So R&B, but some rap, hip-hop. Oh yeah is a vibe. Good choice for the title track. And they beat the copycats by just releasing a sped up version of it themselves. So the album starts with the regular speed version, ends with the fast one. The main reason this release I demoted to honorable mention status is because the Oh Yeah video had more potential that it didn't use. They were working with this generic prom premise, but one guy stands out like a sore thumb in this hot pink suit, sunglasses indoors, ignoring his date, just standing amid all the activity, just in the center of things, being disruptive by his presence. Lots of room for comedy there, but then not really. That potential is not used. He's just sort of there, and that's the whole joke. There are a few other albums that I changed to honorable mention status just because I was hoping for more from the music videos. One of those is Kepler with Lovestruck. Love the new title track, Giddy, and their classic synth pop throughout the rest. Though they changed things up for kind of an electronica traced song called Why and a small punk tinge to LVLY, although my favorite B-side is Back to the City. It is a high quality release and a good video, but what would have made it a great video is just a bit more plot, but it is very pretty to look at. Lots of pastel colors, constantly changing backgrounds, literal sparks fly through the air. It is literal magic. It also always impresses me when the bigger groups still find time for individual members to shine, which they always do. And I kind of like that they beat people to the chase. So if people think they're saying kitty instead of giddy, they're way ahead of you with the kitty themed posing and dance moves. So that's a fun twist. Also, I have many lingering questions about the one of them eating them at the end, sort of. No other way to sum it up. They kept me on my toes for sure, but good release, really fun to watch. In this category as well, A Pink with Self. The D&D video, it's pretty, but that's about it for me. I do like the phrase D&D for do not disturb. I feel like using that more often, like in text lingo. Witcha is a good B-side example of how A-Pink are keeping older K-pop girl group vibes alive. Brings back that Lionheart Girls Generation sound. Candy was a pretty good one to make kind of another single with a music video to go with it. It's the definition of bubblegum pop. Fittingly sweet for the title, and they just show off very amazingly high voices. Then there's the lovely ballad, I Want You To Be Happy, lovely harmonizing, and strings in that one. Dripping came back with Seven Sins. The best song is the B-side Bad Blood. Pop Punk Perfection. Tonaliz, T-O-N-L-I-Z, released Page, a good EP with lots of punk auto-tune, electronified vocal, punk pop vibes. Definitely for Ash Island, Ravi fans, Sikke fans. 24 is the best B-side. Love the single the most, though. Replay, featuring Young Code. Son Chamchi mixed this EDM ready sound, EDM remix ready sound, with this compelling voice on blue but with a three in place of the letter B. Speaking of compelling vocals, love Davi on whatever he does, and he has a new song out with Johnny Kwani, Smiling on Me. Sayaka Yamamoto is back with Bring It On, and it does bring back that fearlessness from Don't Hold Me Back, which I still find her best song ever, frankly. Tay, T A E, Chose the right title track off of the rock album Tearjerker with Save Me. It's, the artist It's, released an interesting new album. Love the percussion on Blue Rock. Another favorite is Sitcom, but I'm still puzzled over the choice of sampling in the beginning. So if you know what TV show sampled in the song Sitcom by It's, please let me know. Lonely, L-O-N-E-L-E-E, has a new single called Love Phobia with Gold Butta. A synth-pop jam with interesting Jersey Club production. I'm always impressed with the acapella group Narin, N-A-R-I-N, and they're back with April Fool. One and Only have a new song called Reflection, which works at a breakneck pace. It's got percussion, strings, rapping, singing, sound effects, electronic, guitar. It's a bunch of styles in a big melting pot. It's quite a detour from what I expect from them, but in a good way. They clearly had a blast making it. 
The AOMG team have now a new subsidiary, Solabeam Records, to celebrate they released the Kickoff Remix EP. And I think the remixes most worth your time are with Davida. Rude A has a new single, 25, which is just a rapid roller coaster. Must Be released Memory, which is definitely for fans of my favorite Nine Eye songs, like Loner. The Nine Eye, more band, rock band leaning version of a pop song. Nine Eyes, besides like that, go well on a playlist with Memory, which I think is better than the title track, frankly, but Royalty is good too. Speaking of that pop-punk route, I think Rocket Girl has a lot of potential and could be a much bigger hit with fans of Dreamcatcher, Rolling Courts, if she frankly had the budget. Like, giant-level music videos instead of just pretty blah ones in a studio singing. But anyway, her singles are worth checking out. Worth rooting for her. The EP is called Zombie. Deiji Mura packaged his singles from 2018 to 2023 in a new compilation. I'm most pleased to see Blizzard on there. That song was really just next level for him. Garni Delia are back with the single only, and Maria rocks this beautiful, beautiful outfit in the video. Lots of gold accents, a royal blue dress that goes to the floor, very elegant, just so beautiful, and the song is good too. Oh My Girl released a cute new video for Miracle. Another cute video from The Boys for Nolza in celebration of the Pororo animated character 20th anniversary. It's an adorable video which mixes the animated characters with scenes with the boys dancing in the TV screen. So the boys of the show, not the animated characters. So that's a twist. Just really, really cute, fun video that ends with kind of a slow-mo party. And it's just good vibes all around. Bloom Bloom era, Thrill Ride era type the boys they do so well with. Speaking of cuteness, Stacy released a new video for the Japanese version of Teddy Bear, and it is just as cute if not more so, full of pastels, cute clothes, cute dance moves, contagious smiles, and of course, tons of cute teddy bears. More cute, wholesome adventures with One Us and the pre-release Unforgettable. Very just fun camping adventures before we have the big dramatic turn that always comes after they have a Bibusio type era. Card, released without you, which impressed me most because of its specificity in matching their image. Their brand is very specific, stylistically, auditorily, even music video set-wise. This is Card through and through, and having them really have that zeroed-in on creative vision is impressive. Zykers, I talked about their exciting debut in my Best of March episode, and in April they released the Rockstar video. They really lean into a couple main symbols that add to the intrigue of their role as these time-traveling hitchhikers in ATS's music video world. They revisit some ATS locations, like the classrooms, but bring their own symbol into it, the blue flame and the eye. The eye keeps popping up everywhere, across space and time, from the two to the four-dimensional world, and then of course there are the flames that come to life 3D style. So they are crossing dimensions in an artistic way. And the video just keeps getting so intense. Up to the very end, it's building suspense as the storm gets more and more intense, swirling around them. But at the very end, they just stomp and poof, just blue skies and calmness. So they weather the biggest storm imaginable. And it's a great song, one of my favorite B-sides besides Oh My Gosh, that really just deserved this second promo round. Scream Records from SM Entertainment released an interesting DJ compilation, Scream Episode 1, Journey of Emotions. The visualizer for this is so much to look at, quite mesmerizing, a kaleidoscope. All kinds of cool club-ready songs here, lots of kinds of DJ music, the tropical summertime vibes like Imlay on Surfer, the 80s dance club throwback feel to Down and Say It, a funky, distorted, darker, ominous-sounding vibe for Alongside in Outrage. Then there are more just straight-up EDM songs. And the super atmospheric Ether is a great intro and just total party vibe setter. It's really quite a compelling, fast-paced listen. Yao Chen with his self-titled song. 
It's a lot. The song is catchy. The video is what really kept my interest, though. It is so much. It is him beating up the guys who tried to kidnap him. It's him rising above. He gets up to the sign that says, keep your passion. So the message, the literal message is quite clear. So instead of ambiguity, he's just like, no, this is my song, self-titled, here I am, a literal fighter, literally read the sign. It's all pretty straightforward. Although at the end, there's an interesting difference in him. Because he starts the video and ends it in the same room, but at the end, he looks content. Before, he was in the same room, pretty angst-ridden, worked up about something. But now he just calmly closes his journal and sits there. Again, literal here, closing a chapter. So he's at peace with who he is. Sometimes it's nice to just have a, an on-its-face premise you don't have to read into that much. Rad, R-A-D-D, has an interesting video for Kidult, where basically it seems like this mascot guy wearing like a marshmallow, like the DJ marshmallow type head, is magic. And when he thwacks this guy, the guy turns into a little boy and back again. So if this mascot head wearer thwacks you, you de-age. Although at one point he goes back to being an adult to drive their car. So quite the sitcom-ready antics there. Blitzers tried out something different for them with Macarena. The song Macarena has a very quirky wardrobe, very Mad Hatter-esque, Joker-esque in a way. And then they went for an interesting and flying adjacent vibe for question mark, the B-side. If you're overwhelmed with reality show OSTs and are like, oh my gosh, I can't keep up, which ones should I really check out? Which ones are really worth my time? I got you. From Boys Planet, check out Switch and Engard. From Peak Time, the OSTs you most need to check out, Skyscraper, Criminal, Nothing Without You, Dignity, Thunder, Chamomile for being super happy, and Circuit for bringing back a gas pedal by Cravity vibe. Kid Wine released a new EP with big Dean vibes called Natural. Well, the Dean vibe's mostly on Bad Love Story, but he also just has an interesting flex because I associate Kid Wine with songs like kind of just more attitude, and this is a bit emotionally more vulnerable than I thought. Not a rap or hip-hop focus. Even his rock songs are not really as rock as you would expect. All around a nice surprise for him to show a gentler side. And don't miss the piano ballad, Mean It. I like how Dream Note came back with two very different music videos. The just dramatic one with lots of pensive looks and beautiful scenery in blue. And then Quirky Storytime with Lemonade, where they basically throw a secret party in the supermarket and hint on the last screen at the end of the video that this magical lemon will lure people back and follow them. The wording made it kind of ambiguous if you follow the store now or the lemons still follow you, but I think they're quirky story is just getting started and is pretty ripe for nmix nope right pun intended crossover potential with the green candy phenomenon in nmix's story so they should totally cross paths new jeans did not have to go that hard at all give 120 percent for the coca-cola ad zero like they really narratively went in depth for an ad. They go on the scavenger hunt basically to find this magical red door. The Coca-Cola makes their magical dreams come true, but it was really quite a detailed narrative compared to what I expected. And I like the shout out to A Trip to the Moon, the literally classic, like first of its kind movie on their bulletin board. Fun fact actually, the beat used in that song almost went to Doja Cat. And I'm going to come out and say something. I hope I'm not the only one who's been thinking, because I don't know what that would say about me. But when they sing the chorus to Zero, doesn't it sound just like the ominous Squid Game hide-and-seek chant? The na-na-na-na-na-na. I'm just saying. That sounds like the ominous hide-and-seek chant. And I'm not sure how I feel about that connection. Speaking of ominous, <laughs> Meme Tokyo are back with SNS Killer. A very chaotic video, as chaotic as the song, all over the place. It's like a wild rave interspersed with home movie footage. Lots going on, presumably the chaos is on purpose. That's kind of their brand. The song is hyperpop excellence that leans, again, giving 120% into the theme. New exciting comeback trailers worth studying intensively and just freaking out over on loop. Stray Kids with Five Star, which we will discuss at length when the full Stray Kids comeback is here. I have many thoughts to share about that. We'll have to do another Stray Kids specific episode because it's been too long. 
and of course Anne Hyphen's Dark Blood teaser mini movie. I decoded that in the episode called Dark Blood Recap, and I still have even more to say coming up, so stay tuned. There's a cute animated video to go with When I Close My Eyes by Kangta and Lee Arium. It's a sweet mini movie about someone being the light in your darkness. And I can't help but think of the Spongebob movie with the bag of winds. If you know, you know. Bish, B-I-S-H, released Innocent Arrogance, which is very interesting. It talks about not being able to show your full self to the world because of these social expectations, but it also calls out the self-awareness to know those expectations are just self-imposed. You are free to break them. Labels are arbitrary and flexible. You can redefine the world, yet they fear losing time to do so. Omega X, Dream. This is a beautiful song that is definitely both a message to fans that they're okay now amid their harrowing abuse stories from their past agency and a message basically forgiving and tending to their traumatized inner children. It's as much a diary entry, a letter to themselves, as it is a message of hope for fans. Beautiful lyrics include a lonely child singing a song. Remember that my tears that I shed are now buried. I'm smiling brightly. Learn to stand up from falling. You cry and laugh in this movie, we're the main characters. Keep moving towards the light, it's blindingly clear, I'll walk along that road. It's tiring to look back sometimes, I see the footprints I have walked. Go back around, been stuck at the crossroads of choice. When you grow up you become ice. With hope, fear will throw away all the pain. I'm getting happy, on a stage full of lights, I've been dreaming about this moment, unquote. Alice is back with Showdown. I love that they really went all out reintroducing themselves. Remember, they were previously Elris. And they leaned completely into saying, hey, remember, now we are Alice. With the highlight medley, choice to have those acrostics. Like acrostic poems for the letters in Alice and what each one could stand for. With multiple suggestions for each. Kind of like a DIY, how do you want to think of us, reintroduction to the group. Lastly... NCT 127 released a delightful, happy song, Sunny Road, which is an OST for you to show. Cool and silly man. Thank you all for tuning in today. That's all for me. Again, stay tuned for that write-up that corresponds to this episode that will be out within the next couple days, 17 karat Bye, everybody.